Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up <clears throat> on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful and so thankful for your word. And we're so thankful for the just all the blessings that you, that you give us each and every day, Lord. I pray that as we go out into the world, that we, we proclaim your name in all that we do, that people can look at us and see a reflection of you through our hearts just being in tune with you, Lord, just through your spirit working in us. Lord, just fill us up with your presence this morning, Lord. Allow us to worship you fully, 100% devotion to you, and knowing that all of this is from you and for you. In your son's name we pray, amen. Good morning. If you'll stand with us, we're going to begin our worship this morning with God rest ye merry gentlemen. <clears throat> Thank you. 
you'll stand, we're going to sing and worship together one more time. We're going to sing Jesus Messiah, and we're going to sing Jesus Messiah into um, a, a kind of a newer song, but it's so perfect for Christmas, um, and it's what a beautiful name it is. Um, so will you worship with us this morning?
gracious, this, um, dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, this morning as we focus on peace, God, Lord, I pray that we're just reminded of the wonderful, powerful um, name of Jesus that nothing else compares against, God. Lord, thank you for sending Jesus to be our Messiah, the light of the world, God. Lord, may we um, just be reminded this morning of the power that's in that name um, and that Jesus is the only name alone that can save God. Lord, we just pray that you continue to be with us during this time of worship um, as we study your word, God. Lord, may you be honored and glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, if the children would come forward for our lighting of the Advent candle before they go to Children's Church. This is week two of Advent, and last week we were sharing with one another about all that Jesus brought to us with his coming into the world. So last week we talked about the fact that the green represents that Christ was and is eternal. Do you remember what the candles represented? There were four things. Last week we lit the candle of hope. That's exactly right. So let's go ahead and light hope, okay? The wind is pretty strong in here this morning, isn't it? All right. The three purple candles are symbolic of his royalty because Jesus was and is king. Do you remember what the pink candle represented? Joy, yes. And the white candle represents... It's the Christ candle, and it's white and symbolic of his purity that he never sinned. Now this morning we're going to light the candle of peace because Jesus was and is the Prince of Peace. And then next week we will light the candle of love. All right? So thank you all so much. You can go to Children's Church. I love you. Bye-bye. Okay, the rest of us turn to Luke chapter 1. Christ is the Prince of Peace. God, in many places in the Bible, is called the God of Peace. Meaning God himself is at peace, eternally and always, and God is the only true source of peace. But Luke chapter 1 is a great chapter. As Luke unfolds the, the story of the birth of Christ, uh, beginning with the birth of John the Baptist. Luke chapter 1, I'm going to read 38 verses here, so bear with me. We're going to notice how Zacharias, Elizabeth, Mary, Joseph were initially very unsettled by the news of what God was going to do in their lives. Luke chapter 1 is a chapter that I hope and pray, because there's so much here, there are 80 verses in Luke chapter 1. There are two songs in Luke chapter 1. The song of Mary and the song of Zacharias, John the Baptist's father. We're not going to look in detail at those. So I've been in Luke chapter 1 before, 
Billy Vaughn has a note in his Bible that he showed me before service began. It says Luke 1. This little note does right there at the beginning of Luke. 2017. <laughs> so I preached in Luke 1 in 2017. And, and then off to the side, I don't know, Billy, if you noticed this, but I noticed that Billy had written beside that date, good. <laughs> so... Let's hope and pray that I can do good again with what is the great good news. Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the Lord have handed them down to us, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out. To write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus. Luke was a doctor. And I don't know about you, but I want my doctors to be precise and orderly. They have much responsibility. Notice that Luke says, I'm writing out in consecutive order what the eyewitnesses share with me. I have been told by a couple of sources that Luke's source for his material came largely from Mary. Okay, I, I don't have a, a chapter and verse to prove that, but by implication from the other things that we know, that Mary was a great source of truth for what we are reading. Verse 4, so that, and he's writing to this man named Theopolis, so that he would know the exact truth about the things you've been taught. That phrase, the exact truth, is a word where we get the word cement. Theophilus, I want you to be cemented in this. I want you to be solidified. I want this to be a foundation of trust and strength and hope for your life. I'm telling you this story in consecutive order because you need to bank your whole life on this this is truth in a world of uncertainty. And so here's the story. Here's the great good news. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abiha, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. Aaron was the priesthood lineage. Her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord, and they had no child. Why? Well, they were old. Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. And it came about that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division... According to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot. That, that's not a capital L, so that's not the guy lot from the Old Testament. He was chosen by lot in that they rolled the dice. And it's been said that there would be 18,000 priests that the lot could possibly have fallen on. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to enter 
verse 9, the temple of the Lord. On this particular occasion, and burn incense. Well, the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense. Have you ever seen an angel? <laughs> Look at verse 12. Neither had Zacharias. It says, He was troubled when he saw him, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. So this is the, a, a sign that he's going to take the vow of a Nazarite, completely consecrated, to God. They, they also wouldn't cut their hair, by the way. You've heard of Samson in the Old Testament. He was a Nazarite. He had taken the Nazaritic vow, which was complete and total consecration to the Lord. Verse 16, He will turn back many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God, and it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this for certain? I am an old man. And my wife, she's old. Well, he's a little bit kinder about how he puts it. He says, she's advanced in years. <laughs> I'm old and she's really mature. The angel answered and said to him, Well, I know that's who you are, but listen to who I am. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of, the, of God. And I've been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak. Until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which shall be fulfilled in their proper time. And the people were waiting for Zacharias and were wondering at the delay in the temple. What's taking him so long in there? But when he came out, verse 22, he was unable to speak to them. He couldn't tell them. And so they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and he remained mute. They're thinking, Zacharias, is, he's using sign language. Why? It came about when the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. Well, after these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. Now, further into the story. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, we've heard him before. He shows up again. He was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was, are you with me? Joseph. All right, this is Christmas 101. Joseph was of the descendants of David. 
And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this statement. Gabriel's thinking, what's wrong with you people? Every time I show up, you're greatly troubled. She kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the, angels, and the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb. and You will bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great. Well, that's the same thing he said about John the Baptist. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. Well, he didn't say that about John the Baptist. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He didn't say that about John the Baptist either. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be? Since I'm a virgin. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And just to tie all this together for you, even your relative, verse 36, Elizabeth, has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. And she's thinking, how? Verse 37 is how. Nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, look at her reply, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Father, thank you for this beautiful story that Luke unfolds for us. It's not just beautiful, it's not just sentimental, it's also true. In fact, it is the ultimate truth upon which we can base our lives and find meaning in life and guidance in life and hope in life and draw peace from you in the midst of an unsettled world. Like Luke's desire was, cement these truths into our hearts and minds so that we can not only know your peace, but that we can share your peace with others. Thank you, Father, for what you have done. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Okay, I just read a lot of text but I wanted to tie together the story so that we could get a sense of who God is and what God has done, for He is the God of peace and Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And when we think about the coming of Christ into our world, one of the big headlines is that, as the angel said, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, and goodwill toward men 
with whom he is pleased. We sing, God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. For Christ the Lord our Savior was born on Christmas Day. And what a contrast there is between what we sing and what we read and how we find ourselves behaving and thinking and feeling on a daily basis as sinners in a fallen world. So first, let's headline this. There is a great need for peace in my life and in your life and in our world. In fact, one of the primary marks of sinful man is how unsettled and troubled our condition is. One of the marks of sinful fallen man is how unsettled and troubled our condition is. I could use my life as as an example. I could use your life as an example. But why do that when we can look at Zacharias and Mary for a moment? Because they feel a great disconnect between where they are and what God tells them is going to happen And what's their initial response to the angel Gabriel? It's not peace. It's trouble and fear and being unsettled. And what's going on there is that God is showing up in their life and they are troubled and unsettled because they're different from God. They're not God. And one of the reasons we're so unsettled And distraught is that God is holy and perfect and just and omnipotent and sovereign. And there's a great distance between us in our sinful fallen state and God in his perfect holy state. So when God shows up, the initial reaction of of, of us and of Zacharias and of Mary is fear and paranoia. I mean, if I'm Gabriel, I want to say, what's wrong with you people? <laughs> I'm coming bringing good news. And everywhere I go announcing to people, you're all troubled. Joseph is the same in Matthew. Look at all the Christmas characters, so to speak. The shepherds. When the angels come with the announcement, they're troubled. They're unsettled. And so what I think this demonstrates is how unsettled all of us are because of the distance and the, 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 the distance we feel between where we are and where God is. It's the human condition. The Bible says this through and through. The Bible exposes us. The Bible is not so much a book that we read as it reads us. This book reads you. And what this book tells me is in Isaiah 57, there is no peace for the wicked. The wicked are like the tossing sea. Just, it's, it's, just, it's always restless and it's always turning over. And yeah, there may be a break for a moment, but then there's just more restlessness. Romans 3.17, the path of peace they have not known. Not only do we lack peace, but we don't know where to go to get it. How about the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 6? They have healed the brokenness of my people superficially, saying, peace, peace, but there is no peace. We talk a good game, and we announce peace, peace, as the Old Testament prophets and priests did as well, but there is no 
peace. Well, if you're like me, and you are, the Bible says that we are, we're faced with the imperfections of life. We get lonely, we get empty, we feel insecure, we're guilty and we feel it, we know it. And we're afraid, we have fear, and we especially fear death. It's that underlying, looming enemy that's out there. I saw a 30 for 30 documentary on ESPN this week. Well, actually, I thought, saw a little bit of it on Bobby Knight. Some of you remember the Indiana coach, Bobby Knight. It was said about Bobby Knight that he was at war with perfection. Bobby Knight was at war with perfection. You go to war with perfection, you're, you're not going to win. No wonder he was so miserable and so angry and so unsettled. And eventually he imploded and lost one of the most prominent head coaching positions in all the land. After being an, a, a very successful college coach, he couldn't relate to his players. He couldn't relate to the university community. He couldn't relate to himself. Why? Because he was striving for something that in this world is unattainable. Perfection. I heard on J93.3 this week, one morning before school, that the most searched for Bible verse on one particular app couldn't remember the app, was Isaiah 41.10. In 2018, the most searched for Bible verse was Isaiah 41.10. I had it later in the message. I'm going to go ahead and read it now. Then they read Isaiah 41.10. And Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not look anxiously about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. Surely, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. More people are looking for that verse than any other verse in the Bible. And I think you and I know why. It's because we need security. We need peace. And we're sick and tired of superficial, shallow solutions to the deep need that we have to be right with God, right with other people, and right within ourselves. Our main problem is godlessness. And that shows up in our lack of peace and our lack of poise and our unsettled, restless nature. St. Augustine said it best long ago. He said, God, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts will be restless until we find rest in thee. So that's our need for peace. And I think Zacharias, his need for peace was exposed by God. And I think Mary, her need for peace was exposed by God. These were individuals who were already troubled and unsettled, even though they were living righteous lives and they were praying. But they had issues. So what is the path to peace? Well, God gives to them the steps to peace. 
God in His grace reveals His overall plan and their place in His grand narrative. And God for you and me tells us where we fit in to this great story as well through them and through His Word. Oftentimes we're told to keep in mind the big picture, the grand scheme of things. Do you ever tell yourself that? What's the bigger picture? What is the grand scheme of things? I think Gabriel tells Zacharias and Mary what God's great grand scheme of things is. And Luke wants Theophilus to base his life and his faith on these truths. Well, here's what Gabriel tells Zacharias and Mary. You're part of an eternal story that God began long before you. And you're part of an eternal story that is going to, to go into, into the future, into eternity future, that is far bigger than you. It's going to affect all people and all nations. God planned this long ago, and God is going to extend this far into the peaceable future, and his kingdom is going to last forever. He tells Zacharias, your child John, he's got a main part in this. Zacharias and Elizabeth, they've been praying and they've been searching and people have been praying. But God has ordained and chosen them for this. And he's also ordained and chosen the means by which he will choose them. Do you think it was an accident that the lot, the dice fell on Zacharias? No. Luke's telling us to see that even the roll of the dice, even the very hairs on your head are numbered and chosen and ordained by God. He ties all of this to everything that has been said in the Old Testament. And Zacharias and Elizabeth are initially terrified, but their fear begins to wane when they see themselves as part of God's providential sovereign plan. That he is in control, guys, and he is watching and he is caring for and he is nurturing and he is placing you in his overall plan, even though at the moment you don't see it. The same thing with Mary. For Zacharias, John the Baptist would have a ministry of repentance. Or calling people to repentance. Did you notice that? To turn the hearts of people back to God. And to turn the hearts of parents back to their children. Well, if there's anything that causes unrest, it's that, isn't it? I talked to a man this week, and he was pouring out his heart to me, and he has no connection to us, but he was saying to me, you know, my son and I had an argument last week. His son was in his 30s, and he was distraught and unsettled over this issue. John the Baptist would have a ministry. I, I kind of see John the Baptist like, you ever been traveling down a, a, this happened to me recently on an interstate. This company's moving these huge double-wide trailers down the interstate, a wide load, all right? Have you ever noticed that when they've got these really wide loads, they have the little car <laughs> that precedes the wide load, warning you that there's a wide load coming? And then they've got a little car behind the wide load telling you a wide load has already been through, right? John the Baptist, to me, is kind of like that pace car, He's telling everybody, God is coming down. 
And you better prepare your hearts for the fact that God is coming down. And Zacharias, when you have a child and this child is miraculously, supernaturally born, this child is going to be that announcement that, that the Savior is going to come and that they better prepare their hearts and their minds and their lives by turning to God and turning to one another through this ministry of repentance. Zacharias, your child and you and Elizabeth have a major part in the grand scheme of things. And Mary... Gabriel does the same thing with her. You'll have a son. His name will be Jesus. He will be the Son of God. Think about what Gabriel's telling her. The greatest thing that has ever happened in the history of the world is coming through you. So I know right now you're terrified. I know right now you don't get it. And it's going to take time to process this and to see this thing unfold. But you're a part of the grand scheme of things. And the grand scheme of things is that God is real, that God cares, that God intervenes, that God is moving, that God is providential and in control, and that God is going to send His Son to rescue and save this world from their sins. His name shall be Jesus. For he shall rescue his people from their sins. And his kingdom will have no end. Gabriel takes both Zacharias and Mary and takes them all the way from eternity past into eternity future so that they can get their little tunnel vision, okay? And begin to expand it to see the bigger picture so that their hearts and their minds could trust and begin to have faith instead of fear. Now, earlier this week, as probably you had as well, the windshield on my car was iced over. Did any of y'all have that this week? As usual, we were running late to school. I wasn't smart enough to go crank my car up early. <laughs> and I get out there, and we're late for school, and my windshield's iced over, and if you're like me, you look in your wallet and see what kind of card you got that's not something you need permanently, and you say, that this may be a, an ice scraper. <laughs> and one morning I was running so late, I, I got me a little, I got me a little a bit cleared out, a, a hole about this size, all right? And I jumped in the van, I said, man, we're going to school. <laughs> Y'all hold on tight. I turned the heat up, turned the defrost on. But there for a few miles, I, I wasn't the wisest person in the world. Because you can't really see out of either side either. So you got to back up. You got to look both ways. And I'm rolling down windows and it's freezing. And you got all this stuff going on. And then, you know, over time, the, the, your, your view begins to expand, right? And you can see more and more and more and more and more and more. And then you can see the full picture. And you can finally drive safely. <laughs> and I'm thinking about Mary, and I'm thinking about Zacharias, and I'm thinking about their initial response. Initially, they were just thinking of themselves. You know, they were driving at the moment with that, 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 that little bit of space that they could just see in the moment. But Gabriel comes and he says, let me, let me thaw out your windshield a little bit. Let me clear this thing up so that you can safely maneuver and respond and feel the way you really need to feel about this. Let me give you the grand 
scheme of things. And if you look at your own heart and life, our human fallen reactions are, are so often just focused on that little bit that we can see at the moment without considering what God's great grand scheme of things is and how we fit in it. Which is why we've got to keep hearing the gospel over and over again. We've got to keep hearing the Christmas story over and over again. We've got to keep hearing He is risen over and over again. We've got to get the grand narrative over and over again because you and I get stuck in a moment. And we get stuck in a circumstance. And instead of, instead of being trusting and peaceful and gracious and hopeful, we've lost our minds because we can only see that little bit that we've carved out with our card to focus on. So this is a note I made to myself. Small, limited perspectives lead us to care only about our particular momentary circumstances. To live and move and act without awareness of God's overall plan is neither safe nor good. For me to pull out onto the street because I was in a hurry without being able to see fully and correctly was not safe and it wasn't good. So the next morning I got up earlier and I warmed my car up so that I could see everything well. Listen, peace comes not just by trusting but by also putting this trust into action and leaning wholly upon what God has spoken in His Word. And that's what Mary and Zacharias begin to do. They begin to listen and look and see and hear and believe and act based on what God tells them. If you follow Mary's progression... She moves from the announcement of pledge to be. Then Gabriel says, you will be. Then she says, how will this be? And then she says, let it be. Let it be. <laughs> now you're becoming like Paul McCartney, Neil. Let it be, right? Zacharias, look at his progression. How shall I know this for certain? Then Gabriel says, you shall be silent and unable to speak. But if you look at the end of Luke chapter 1, what we find is these two initially troubled souls have these wonderful songs that if you look at them and you read them, and I'm not going to do that, but if you look at them, they are orderly, they are scripture-based, they are joy and worship filled. They are at a point that goes beyond peace to praise and worship and joy and acceptance over who God is and what he's doing. It is completely God-based. So not only do they have peace, and biblically speaking, peace is not just, hey, we're not fighting anymore. Peace is relationship and friendship and love and joy. In other words, they begin to not only have peace, but they begin to give peace to the people around them. As they lead others to see who God is and what He's doing in the grander scheme of things by, by singing these songs. 
And like we just said, or they just sang, you know, let there be peace on earth, but let what? Let it begin with me. Let it begin with me. The working out of Luke chapter 1 is how those two troubled individuals accepted God's will and plan, and not only were they at peace, but they began to give peace. They had peace with God, and they had the peace of God. And through Christ, that peace is available to you and me. And we access that peace, possess it, and have it by believing, by trusting, by leaning wholly on Jesus' name. By grace, you are saved through faith. Romans 5.1, Therefore, being justified by faith, you have peace with God. Faith in Christ and what He's done on your behalf. Philippians 4, the peace of God, the peace that God has, can guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. God grants the peace He has to us in Christ for salvation, and He also grants it to us through His Spirit and through His Word and through prayer and all the means of peace. And thus, us becoming people of peace, we can give peace to others. I was listening to the great theologian Forrest Gump. <laughs> One of my favorite movies. And I don't know how it even came to mind. But do y'all remember the character Lieutenant Dan? Forrest had saved his life in Vietnam. And Lieutenant Dan, from that conflict, had no legs. And he was angry. And he was miserable. He was angry with God. He was angry with Forrest. He didn't want to be saved. He wanted to die in the war like every uh, generation before him and his family had died. And he was just a miserable human being. Well, near the end of the movie, Forrest is opening up to someone on a park bench in Savannah. <laughs> this is not real. This is a movie. And he sits beside this lady, and he's telling her about Lieutenant Dan. And he says... Then the scene shifts to a boat where Lieutenant Dan falls over into the water and starts doing the backstroke with his arms. And before he falls over into the water, he says, You know, Forrest, he says, um, I never did thank you for saving my life. And the audience is saying, No joke. You didn't thank him. You hated him. He says, Forrest, I want to thank you for saving my life. And Forrest says, Lieutenant Dan never did really say. He says, but he came to peace with God. And Forrest was saying the way you knew he was at peace with God was his heart had changed and he was expressing gratitude to others. If you really have peace with God, you will also have the peace of God and the people around you will be affected. All these Advent themes, hope, peace, love, and joy, if we're walking with Him and trusting Him, we, we will be those things in the lives of other people. There is no way we can be those things in the lives of other people if we are not connected to the one true source. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank You for the hope, the peace, the love, and the joy that You have and that You give. Because I know in my own life, I'm convicted by the fact that I often lack hope and peace 
and love and joy. And every Christmas I'm confronted with it again. But I'm also encouraged every Advent season because I see yet again you as the ultimate source of all that we truly need and all that we truly desire. Father, we don't know the steps to peace. Forgive us for superficial and shallow means of trying to achieve that on our own. Give us the faith and the trust to look to you. You're always at peace. You always see the the hopeful future. You're the God of everlasting love and everlasting joy that doesn't run out, that can never be taken away. Turn our hearts, as John the Baptist would say, Turn our hearts back to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. What child is this? As Todd's going to lead us.